everybody and welcome home to me. Uh, I'm now in my own house uh, here in Moscow and this is my office. Uh, here I uh, prepare for meetings and teaching and plan the work in the church and just spend time with the Lord. And um, I'm happy that we can spend some time together. And this is actually the first edition of a new project, a leadership podca podcast that we will start to do in our church. Uh, we have felt uh, a desire to share also with other leaders and pastors about the experience that we have here, what the Lord is doing here. And uh, we would like to encourage you also in the things that God has called you to do. So uh, from time to time, we're going uh, we're gonna film different uh, Uh, sessions about different subjects where I will share also about my personal experience as a pastor and as a leader. And we're living in a world that is changing very, very fast. And I believe more than ever also that uh, we can learn from each other and we can help each other to discover also the, the important things of leadership because we are not leading a business. We're not leading a sport club. We are leading a church. And we need also to understand what God has to say to us and how we can be good how we can be effective and how we can be Christ-like leaders in the 21st century. And this very first message that I want to share on this podcast, I call Keep Your Eyes on the Harvest. And um, what I mean with this is that when we look at the life of Christ and ask the question, what was the main driving force in his life? What motivated him really to do what he was doing? Then we can bring up a lot of things because Jesus, he touched more or less in any area of life. But at the same time, I believe without any question that um, the most correct answer we'll see that what really, what really was the main driving force in the life of Christ was the salvation of people the salvation of this world. Uh, this is why he came. And he said, spoke about this many, many times also in Luke 19, after the, he had visited Zacchaeus' home, he said like this uh, in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, this is the reason I've come to seek and I've come to save. And, uh, uh, and I believe that for us as leaders, It's so important that we are like Jesus and that if this was his main driving force, it needs to be my driving force also, number one. Because I have discovered in the years I've been serving in, in different churches is that uh, there are a lot of subjects and a lot of spheres that we as leaders needs to cover. We, uh, we speak about relationships a lot, which is of course important. Speak about family, uh, questions related to money, to uh, God's blessing in the financial sphere has been given a lot of room in many, place, uh, many places during the last uh, couple of generations. And uh, we have, uh, we as charismatics, we have a lot to say about uh, the move of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, and so on, and a lot of other areas also. And uh, I have discovered that, uh, that there is actually a temptation Um, for any kind of leader to maybe choose more uh, focuses in our ministry that are more convenient to us than the question of evangelization, 
reaping a harvest. Because to preach about um, soul winning and to direct the church uh, in, in that direction can be a little challenging. Often we want to grow more than we actually grow. And maybe we feel, you know, people get tired of this. And maybe also we can feel it's kind of more popular, more welcomed when I speak about that uh, God loves you, you're a wonderful person, and uh, God want to bless you, God want to do good things for you, he wanted to have a good family. And, uh, and please understand there is nothing wrong in anything of this. This needs to be done. This is a place uh, in the church and in the ministry of any pastor. But at the same time, if there is something that is kind of the underlying, underlying force, the foundation of my ministry, the main drive in my life, that needs to be that the church is here to reap a harvest. Christ died for the salvation of man. And every man that around us in society is on the way to eternity. And his only hope is that somebody comes to him and tells him about Jesus. And I believe if we as leaders, if we kind of can accept, yeah, this is really the, the number one priority of our ministry, then I believe God will bless the other spheres also. Then I think the other spheres, you know what I said, and a hundred other subjects will kind of easier find their place also in the church and, and in our callings. Uh, because when we, when we look at um, when we look at Christ and uh, uh, he spoke about all these other things uh, he spoke a lot about money he spoke a lot about relationships uh, uh, we know he healed people he helped people in any area of, of life but we still see this so clearly also how he always was moved towards eternity his focus was always uh, on God on heaven and the eternal destiny of every man and when he died on the cross he died for the salvation so that men would not be lost but that they could be with God forever and um, if there is a, yeah, and if we look at him uh, and the way that he treated his disciples and he worked with his disciples then we see so clearly also uh, that this is what how he wanted them to be they followed him everywhere but when we look at the uh, times when he spoke to them directly, when he taught them, when he challenged them, we see again and again how important this was to Christ that they really, really also adapted the same mentality that, that he had. And um, for, for example, uh, for example, when it comes to uh, John, the fourth chapter, this is, you know, one of my really favorite places in the Bible. Uh, Jesus, uh, this is after Jesus had been speaking to the woman, woman in Samaria. He says, he says to the disciple uh, in uh, that uh, uh, in verse 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. He says, lift your eyes. And, and this is the temptation that can be for any one of us is that we lower our eyes and we see what is close, you know, me, uh, you know, my co-workers and the church and the people there and I care for them and, I t and, and you know, they have needs. And then comes Jesus like an alarm clock and, and kind of just 
push us uh, a little and say, come on guys, lift your eyes. Don't be too occupied with the things that are just around you. Don't be too occupied with what happens inside the church. There is a whole world outside there that is ready for harvest. I died for the church. And this kind of challenge, I, I believe, is really, really what we need to, to receive also as, as leaders. Uh, because like I said, it can be more popular, you know, to tell a person you're wonderful than, than to tell him, come on, you need to share the gospel with the people uh, around you. And it can be more convenient for us to do seminars for, for the people in, inside the church than really to challenge them to live a life as a, as a fisher of men. But, um, but this is not up to us uh, to decide. We have to be like Christ and we need to have his heart in this matter. And it's challenge to the disciple, lift your eyes, guy, and see the harvest. Look around in your city. Look around in the village where you live and see every man and understand that all of them, they are on the way to eternity and they are ready. Uh, they're ready for harvest if you just are willing to go to them. This, they, you know, nobody loves an alarm clock. Everybody hates an alarm clock. But the alarm clock saves our life every, every morning. Boom, you need to get up, yeah. And, uh, and we as pastors, we need to be an alarm clock also to the church around us and in, in the way that, that Jesus was to the disciples. Uh, in another very famous saying in Matthew 9, uh, Jesus said, um, said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. And this is a typical hymn to really bring faith in. There's a plentiful harvest. The world is big. There are people who haven't heard about Christ. The harvest is plentiful. Don't get stuck inside your building. And, um, uh, and this is the way also that he trained his disciples to keep that mentality. Another way that he, that he related to them is that he, he always um, led them to break new borders in their life. He always pushed them to do what they haven't done before. In John 4, he has been speaking with this Samaritan woman, which was really a shock to them. And then we know how Jesus went to people that they, they had never fellowshiped with. He went uh, home to, to Zacchaeus. He went home to Matthew. He, like in the, in the house of Matthew, he says that he ate with sinners and tax collectors. And of course, this was a shock for the disciples. They were believing Jews and, and they didn't do things like, like this. And, and Jesus always made them cross new borders to discover the world that is around. The world is fascinating. There are people there whom you never met, the people whom, whom, you haven't, whom you haven't seen, and you can't get stuck just in this fellowship of the 12, either though this fellowship is, is of course very, very important. He always brought them into new places. And I can always, you know, almost feel the disciples getting a little tired. Oh, come on, Jesus, you, you keep on taking us to new places. You keep on challenging us. Yes, because Jesus knew he, I have three and a half years and I have to change the mentality of, of these guys so they really, really understand there are so many people out there they are ready to believe, ready to receive if you just get in contact, if you just get in contact with them. Because they're like when Jesus ate in the house of Matthew and he says them that there were sinners and tax collectors there, this is not just a recorded story. This is a lesson. It's a lesson for the disciples. Jesus did this, did this to teach them. This is the kind of leadership you have to have. You have to bring the church with you to these places. Then you can fulfill your destiny. And uh, one of the things then in the relationship between Jesus and disciples that maybe more than anything uh, clears up what was the main focus in the life of Christ. And that's the last words that he said to them. Uh, I know you are very familiar with these things, but let, let's remember what he said. Matthew 28, the last words according to what Matthew wrote. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations.
and then bye-bye, and Jesus left. Go was the last thing he said to them. Make disciples of all the nations. That's the final impression. And according to Mark, the last thing he said in Mark 16 to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he leaves. Wow. Go everywhere and preach the gospel. That's the last impression according to Mark. And the same according to Luke, who wrote the book of Acts. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the world. And then he left. So, so according to those who recorded these Gospels and the book of Acts, we see so, so clearly also what Jesus left with them. He left these words with them. Okay, guys, now my work is finished. Now you have to go. And then again, even though there are many things that needs to go on in the church, of course, all these things I mentioned, we need to speak about them and we need to help people to grow. We need to teach them about all the things that are written in, in the Bible. But if we lose this, we lose the purpose. The church becomes something else that, that, that it wasn't really supposed to be. The church must always, even though we don't see big growth, we must keep this among us. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And the last thing that Christ told us is, is that we need to share the gospel, the good news, the love of God with the people, uh, the people around us. And um, when, I, when I teach about uh, leadership, I, uh, I often use examples, uh, I think we all do, from uh, different famous per persons in the world like uh, famous businessmen. Uh, I like to speak about historical persons and famous sportsmen and uh, they have a lot of good, good lessons that we can pick, but um, I'm not supposed to be like them. I'm supposed to be like Christ. And the people in the church, they need to see Christ in me. I must be the leader he was. And, uh, and uh, uh, he was driven by this incredible love for sinners, for those who are lost. And this is what must can come forth from my ministry also. I can't just be wise and, and uh, funny and uh, have a lot of cool, uh, uh, cool quotations and maybe a very contemporary leadership uh, style. All this is good. You can and you should have these things in your leadership. But at the same time, they have to see in me what the disciples saw in Christ. They have to see a fervent love for the world a fervent love for the sinner, a compassion to bring the gospel to the people around us. Then I believe we can really, really be Christ-like leaders. And so in our churches, we need to, of course, we need to teach about this. We need to preach about this. And I know it's not so always so easy maybe to bring this up and you feel, oh, people don't want to hear about evangelization. But God can give you creative angles to encourage people in a way that this doesn't come to them as a burden, but as a, as a wonderful, divine, heavenly challenge. Uh, we have many times taken periods in our, in our church when we focus upon this, when we preach about this, and we just, because I feel we have to bring the, up the fire again. We have to bring back the compassion. We have to bring back the revelation that whoever we are, wherever we work, we are the fishers, fishers of men. And, um, and when we do that, we always see also that the, the fire catches the heart of people again. And, um, and because if there's something that I fear, maybe fear is not the right word, but something that, that really, really I, I, is a challenge to me that we must never lose the, the drive to reach the lost. It must never leave the church. We have to be a church 
that keeps on spreading the love of God, the gospel to the people around us. So in our preaching and in our teaching, and of course also in, in our prayers, uh, when we pray together in our church, often down on our knees and we pray, God, we pray for the harvest. We pray for our loved one. We pray for Moscow. Pray for the mission fields. Lord, it's harvest time. Pray that your spirit will move in the heart of men, open doors in front of us, and that your fire will burn inside of us. And God will answer those prayers also. And uh, and finally, this must also be seen, of course, in the way that we lead the church in the programs, in the arrangements that we have. We can have a lot of things, you know, to, to serve the people, to encourage the, the church members, but we also need to have evangelistic events in the church. Alpha Course is a wonderful tool. Evangelistic meetings have home groups that do not only uh, gather the church members, but also invite uh, other unchurched people, unsaved people to, to the groups and so on and so on, on and so on. There are a lot of things we can do and Holy Spirit can give you just the right ideas for your church and for your city. And finally, let me just end with this. Your church needs to be paradise for first comers. Your church must, must be a place where it's convenient to come for the first time. Those who have, are unchurched, maybe unbelievers, they come there that not just everybody jump on them. Finally, an unbeliever, you have to get saved. That can scare them away from the church forever. Uh, but at the same time, really give everyone a warm welcome, give them attention, make them, make them understand that they are important to God, they are important to you. If they repent in the first meeting, wonderful. If they don't, well, will they, God bless you. You're welcome back next next Sunday. And they will come to the Lord when they are, when they are ready. And um, do whatever you can. Be generous to them. Feed them. Give them coffee. I don't know what opportunities you have. But think like this. Our church is going to be a paradise for newcomers. Um, let me just end with this story. When I was, uh, the church I come from in Norway, where I was youth pastor, we, we had some kind of event. I actually don't remember what it was, but I think it was some, some kind of event and we had some uh, coffee and tea afterwards and suddenly a journalist shows up from the local newspaper and this is a newspaper but they have been writing really really bad about us and we all got so scared why is he here what is what is gonna do what will he write about us and he was there the whole evening and uh, and uh, when the event was over i went up and spoke with him and uh, and he said to me this is a dangerous place and I got so scared. What do you mean this is a dangerous place? I said, oh, we're not dangerous. And he said, well, dangerous in the way that I don't want to go home. I like to be here. You're so kind. The atmosphere is wonderful. Wow, I, I, I want to be in this church. And, and isn't that a good story? That's how it should be. We should think about this. How is it to visit our church for the first time? And the more we do, the easier also it will be for the church members to bring their friends, relatives, people they meet on the street to the church. So this was the first podcast that, uh, that uh, we did. Uh, keep your eyes on the harvest. Aim for being a leader the way Christ was a leader. And then I believe that all these other spheres that are also important, they will more easily find their place. So uh, if you want, you can put a like on, uh, on this podcast and you can sign up uh, on our site uh, for, for the future. And then I really look forward to see you again in the next time we, we do this. God bless you so much in everything 